Hello and welcome to episode 18 of From the Therapist Chair. I'm Heather, CBT therapist, and this is Chris. Say hi, Chris. Hello. So today we are going to talk about the wonderful world of emotions. One of my favourite topics. How about you, Chris? I hate emotions. (laughs) Personally. Most people um, do. I feel like life would be a lot better the world would be a lot nicer if we didn't have emotions oh really because we'd have no ego okay. i don't know if that's you know we'd we wouldn't do things out of anger okay um however we wouldn't have the spice of life okay i think that's it podcast over we've got a uh, reasons why they're not so useful and reasons why they would be good so my aim is to uh, tell you all about what emotions are, what they do for us, what makes it hard for us to cope with emotions, why we, why generally if you ask people about emotions, most people say, oh, I wish we didn't have them as much or they cause us difficulty. Um, and then we might talk a bit about why it can be useful to be more in touch with your emotions and to name them as well. So quite a lot to talk about. We'll talk about different types of emotions and yeah, get ready. So what are emotions then? That's aimed at you, Chris. What do you think they are? Uh, they are responses from your brain doing things. <laughs> Right. Uh, okay. Responses from your brain. Well, I don't know. They're just, res- you know, how your brain responds to, I don't know, different things that happen, you know, like uh, an instinct, maybe. Yeah. So, like a biological change. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah. So, like, that's like your brain changes. So, your nervous system makes some changes. So, that's internal. And that can affect things like your muscles and your autonomic nervous system and um, things like your blood vessels and your heart rate and your temperature. And we experience that as like body sensations. So what we feel like physically, and then we have an urge to act on those feelings. Okay. (laughs) Is that a bit technical? Um, mm. so, so this, this, the biological changes that happen automatically. So emotions, um, are thought to be an inbuilt response that we've always had as when we first evolved as human beings. So we have them, we'll talk about why, what, what they do for us and why we might have them, but we have biological changes. We experience them in physical sensations. We have an urge to act, but then there are also expressions of emotions so things like that's our facial expressions and body language. There might be words. So what we actually say based on how we're feeling and our actions, our behaviour. So emotions, are this, they're quite complex. There's a lot going off when it comes to emotions. And even if you just think about what basic emotions there are as human beings, um, if we say the basic ones are things like happiness, sadness, anger, shame guilt and fear disgust there's also uh, there's also uh, lots of other ones lots of other names for emotions so things like love and jealousy and envy 
and hatred and oh, millions, tons. Well, not maybe not millions, but a lot. Disappointment. Um, can you think of any more? Surprise. Can you think of anything, Chris? Apathy. Hmm? Apathy, a certain emotion. Apathy, yeah. Frustration. Yes, that's the only one I've got. Regret. Disappointment. There's tons. Overwhelmed. The thing is, there's lots of different words. I've got like an emotion wheel here on my wall, which I really like. And uh, not only does it look nice, it also reminds me that there's so many different emotions and also there's lots of different words. So if you think about anger, there's things like frustration, aggression, infuriated, annoyed, uh, provoked, furious, indignant, etc. So there's lots of different words. So when it comes to emotions then, they... Um, we know then that we have a physiological response to emotions that tend to happen automatically and then we have uh, an urge to act and they're expressed by either what we actually do, our behaviour, or by our um, thoughts or what we say, by our facial expressions and our body language. So... Why do we think that emotions are there then? Why do we need them? I like asking questions. Um, <clears throat> maybe because when um, I lived in a cave, like, you needed them to survive. Yes. Maybe. Was that, was that last week? I'm still living in one. <laughs> it's yes. ongoing. Okay. So yeah, like emotions um, help us to, um, they're hardwired, so they help us to survive. So fundamentally, if we go right back to bare bones or emotions, a lot, the most of them are about survival. They're about helping us to fit in and communicate with others and also to communicate to ourselves. So think about emotions, the motivators and the organizers for action. So um, they motivate our behavior. So they prepare us for action. Um, they save us time, so they help in, in getting us to act in important situations. So emotions, because they're automatic, they're really helpful <clears throat> in that they just are, just happen really quickly when we need them. So they keep us safe. Um, and they can, be, they can be really important when we haven't got time to think things through. So we think about when you're in danger. So if we feel anxious or fear, it's an automatic response when we haven't got time to, to, to weigh up the different options. They just um, guide us into action straight away. And strong emotions help us to overcome obstacles. So that might be obstacles that we're setting for ourselves in our minds or actually things that are happening around us. So emotions motivate us and help us get into action. They also communicate and influence other people. So if you think about facial expressions, so facial expressions are like hardwired aspects of emotion. They communicate faster than words. So you can give, you can um, raise an eyebrow and people will often be able to read that quicker than they would by what you were saying. So if you watch people's facial expressions, they often say more than what words they're saying. Have you noticed that? 
that that just reminded me of a <clears throat> a science fiction based thing that I I read where or basically like the the whole thing is is that the the weird things about humans is that they use the same organ to speak and eat um which is a bit weird and I think like most animals don't you know when they communicate they don't communicate with their food hole you know okay. it's yes. like we communicate with our food hole but we should also be able to communicate without it don't laugh at me <laughs> no well you know i'm laughing at well one food hole and two i was thinking about well chickens they lay eggs and also urinate from the same hole <laughs> that's brilliant that's a brilliant fact that is that's efficient <laughs> Did did you not know that? It's amazing. No, but that's that's two points of wastage, you know, for them. And 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 also pull from the same hole. Three really, points. There's three points of wastage. Yeah. Whereas ours isn't really well. Arguably, there's a lot of waste that goes into my mouth, <laughs> and a lot of waste that comes out of it when it when it's open. So I guess <laughs> maybe it's the same thing, but. <laughs> Well, if we think about then, so not only is it what we're saying, because often what we say and what we're feeling can be different, can't we? We don't always say exactly what we're feeling. But if you look at people's facial expressions and the body language and the tone of the voice, they can all be really good uh, indicators to how someone's feeling. So like it or not, uh, body language, voice, tone and facial expressions communicate our emotions to others quite often. So um, it can be really he helpful because it helps to communicate to others or send them a message when it's something really important. Then it can be really hard to change. So you can try and hide something, but if it's something that's very important, then generally people can often pick up on the emotion that's behind it by what you're thinking or um, uh, fundamentally what you're feeling by your body language, facial expression and voice tone. Um and whether we intend it to or not, our communication of emotion influences other people as well. So how we communicate to others, how we're feeling will have an impact on how others feel. It's quite technical, this emotional stuff, isn't it? So we know then that we've talked about emotions, uh, motivating and organizers for action. They communicate to and influence others, but they also communicate to ourselves, which is really important. So emotional reactions can give us important information about a situation. So the, so if you think about emotions being like an alarm or a signal that something's happening. So I always talk about, if we think about fear or anxiety, it's a bit like um, a smoke alarm going off. So without us even having to think about it, your brain triggers this physi physiological response, which is fear and you um, you don't have to do anything about it, it just happens. The problem with, um, have you ever had like a really annoying smoke alarm when they just go off when you're boiling a kettle or something or toaster or whatever, so they can I've get- I've had one that just goes off randomly during the night. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I was just thinking, I used to have one that did that as well. It used to freak yeah. me out. Yeah, and you have that moment of panic where you think your house is on fire. Yeah, and it's just a false alarm, isn't it? Mm. So it's the same with um, anxiety. So our brain is quick to uh, trigger this response just to keep us safe, but it's not always an actual factual thing. 
It's not always needed. It's more of a just in case. And the more that smoke alarm goes off, the more sensitive it becomes. So it can start going off just by thinking about something or imagining something. So when it comes to uh, anxiety, it's often triggered unnecessarily. But your brain's just, it's a bit like, um, <laughs> you know, like if you've got like uh, a grandma <laughs> or a nanan that's really like overprotective and saying, oh, be careful. Think of your brain doing that all the time, going, be careful, because it's trying to keep you alive. So in, on, on one hand, that's really helpful because it works so far because our ancestors have survived it long enough for us to be here. But also it can be quite annoying if you're experiencing that a lot and you're having lots of anxiety, maybe in situations when it's not needed. So the thing with emotions is it's difficult to regulate emotions and some people are much more sensitive to emotions than others and they can be triggered um, without a mask into so the smoke alarms become more sensitive which I'm going to talk about in a minute as well um, so thinking more about emotions communicating to ourselves so if we think about like if you heard that term you, like your gut feeling you know like you've got a feeling in your gut you just get a like an intuition feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So gut feelings can be like intuition. So a response to something important about a situation. Um, so this can be really helpful if we get this like gut feeling, our emotions are telling us something. But what we need to do is rather than just respond to that feeling is to like check out the facts of a situation first. Because sometimes our intuition can be a bit, again, oversensitive. It can be more on the cautious side. So we have to check it out a little bit. Because the, the danger about emotions is that we can often treat emotions as though they're like facts about the world. So the stronger the emotion, the stronger our belief that the emotion's based on facts. So, for example, if I feel a bit unsure about something, then therefore I must be incompetent or not capable. If I get lonely when I'm on my own, I shouldn't be left alone. Or if I feel confident about, confident about something, it must be right for me. If I'm scared, then there must be danger um type thing so there's some examples so we can often interpret emotions as facts when actually we know the term thoughts aren't facts but also emotions are not always factual so we have to check out the facts in a situation which is what i'm going to talk about so if we assume that our emotions represent the facts about the world um, then we can use emotions to justify our thoughts or our actions. And this can be trouble if emotions get us to ignore the actual facts. So if we're not taking facts into account, we're just being driven by our emotions that's not always helpful. And that's where people can get a bit caught up and unsure as to what to do and get sort of totally carried away by their emotions. And people often struggle to regulate emotions because they are a difficult, the tricky, the tricky things. They're not always easy to, to manoeuvre. So if we think about what makes it more, makes us um, struggle to regulate emotions, so to keep them balanced, it can be things like biological factors. It might be that we don't know how to regulate emotions. That be because we uh, have not really been taught how to do it by our uh, caregivers as we grow as we're growing up. Um, 
sometimes if our environment growing up has uh, reinforced like emotional behavior so if you behave in if you react in ways to um difficult situations and that is then you're given lots of attention or praise for that or uh, main attention then it might reinforce that belief that you have to um, really uh, demonstrate how you're feeling in quite a um destructive yes that's the one yeah so <laughs> yeah <laughs> quite a destructive way exactly um Sometimes people struggle to regulate because they don't know how to do it or they don't want to do it. Or we can feel overloaded by emotions and not know how to manage them. Or we might have a belief that um, emotions are necessary to be part of who we are. Or we might have a belief that emotions are bad or weak and so we might avoid emotions. So there's so many different beliefs about emotions can drive whether we regulate them or not. So they're complicated but not that complicated because there's something that we all have so I find that a lot of people that uh, will come to see me either struggle with too much um too many emotions so for example they might struggle with feeling angry a lot or feeling anxious in situations when they wouldn't normally feel anxious or they might feel really sad so yeah, so they might feel really uh, might feel really sad or um, struggle with feeling uh, a lot of shame or guilt all the time. Or so people will either have that one side where they have too many uh, strong emotions and find it hard to regulate. Or the opposite is that people will often come and see me and say that they feel quite numb and they're not feeling much really. So they've learned to push emotions away. So what we um, find with emotions is that if, if you're experiencing lots of really difficult emotions and you struggle to know how to deal with them, people can start to distance yourself and avoid feeling the emotions. The problem with that is, is that you can end up feeling not much of anything really and not in, experience any nice feelings like happiness or excitement or joy or love or whatever. So people will start to just feel quite flat and not feel much of anything. So it's really important to start to understand emotions and start to recognize them in you and to be able to sit with emotions a little bit more. So noticing and naming emotions is really, really useful, which we're going to move on to. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Mm, possibly. Uh, nah, not really. So it might be answered in the next section. Okay. Well, so um, first of all, before... So I'm going to... I'm going to move on to thing to talking about noticing and naming emotions and something called checking the facts and opposite action. But before I even do that, I'm going to talk to you about this book that I have been reading. Um, I mean, I know you can't see it, but I'm showing it to Chris. <laughs> because the book itself is quite beautiful. So it's by Brené Brown and it's called Atlas of the Heart. And it's um, the, uh, what do you call it, tagline, the bit under the under the title, is Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. It's fabulous, I think. It's a really good explanation um, about our, a range of different human emotions, why we have them, how why they cause us difficulty, 
how they're helpful, how they're not helpful, uh, etc. Um, so, and I just thought I might read a little quote out of here because there's some really good stuff. It looks at all different um, areas of emotion. And um, if we talk about... Um, <laughs> I thought this were quite good. So there's some really good little uh, quotes in there about like uh, the the chapters are like called places we go. So like there is um, places we go when our heart is open. Places we go when. Just a minute. Should be more organised when we fall short. So things like shame, self compassion, perfectionism, guilt, etc. Places we go when life is good, like joy, happiness, calm tranquility um, and I'll say one more places we go when things aren't what they seem like amusement uh, nostalgia cognitive dissonance irony sarcasm and paradox um, just a little good little quote in here there's some really good ones so it says do I have enough information to freak out the answer is normally no will freaking out help the answer is always no, <laughs> but we still freak out about things, don't we, quite often. So um, if you want a book about emotions, if you want to understand your own emotions more and understand why you feel as you do and understand other human beings around you because they're very difficult to understand people, it's a book to get. Brenia Brown, Atlas of the Heart. It is Brill. And even just get it and look at the front cover because it's so pretty. It's worth it just for that. <laughs> it's a good one to read have you read it chris no i haven't oh i think you should get it but i have a it's... question what is the the reason right why would mm. i ever want to feel shame oh so interesting so what what do you think shame is uh i don't know but i know the feel you know the feel what does it feel mm. like shameful <laughs> Where do you feel it? Uh, um, I'd probably say in my stomach, you know. Yeah, so usually pit of the stomach type feeling, isn't it? Mm. Okay, so if we think about shame and why we feel shame, um, usually if we think about the difference between guilt and shame, so guilt is... You can feel guilty if you have done something wrong or if you think you've done something wrong. And remember, emotions are all about communication, fitting in, um, quite a social, social thing, emotions. So if we think about guilt, that's all about us helping to learn from mistakes, make amends for what we've done, hopefully not do it again so that we fit in don't always work because we can still do things even if we feel guilty. Shame is quite a, a really deep hidden response that often we have. Um, it can be shame about something that we've done or something we fear we've done or it can be shame about some a part of us that we uh, want to hide. So that can be things like um, you might fear um, exposure or something really private about you that you don't want anybody to know. Or it can be a, about a physical characteristic that you don't like. Or it can be a, about a feeling of something that you 
at something that you feel that you are or should be competent to do or it can be you can feel shame for being reminded of something that you've done that's immoral or shameful that you've done in the past um so the things with shame it's all words like that go with shame are things like feeling embarrassed or humiliated or self-conscious or we can feel shy etc and if we think about all emotions they're all about really helping us to fit in and to survive and if we're in a if we're in a group so if we're in a, a tribe so we're going right back to when we first evolved as human beings then um if we feel shame then we're going to hide the bits of us that we fear might um turn people off from us so we'll stop people liking us and um help us to fit in more so it's all about survival really if we go right deep down to where it comes from so i only feel ashamed of myself because i want to fit in yeah so if you want to fit in and you feel ashamed then you're going to hide that shame to try and fit in generally so we tend to hide the bits of us that we um, fear that others will judge us negatively about so if we think that people are going to reject us or have rejected us before or we feel that we're not good enough are not as good as other people or if we compare ourselves to others um, if we think that we're unlovable or that other people think that we're bad or wrong or there's something wrong with us um, believing that the, our even physically that we don't fit in with other people that we're too tall or short or fat or thin or ugly or whatever uh, also we can feel ashamed if we think that we've not lived up to other people's expectations of us or that we are the things that we do or say are stupid or silly. There's so many reasons why things that prompt these feelings of shame in us. And it's such a, a strong feeling. So shame is something that can actually really um, shape how we behave and what we do. So think about things if we're feeling ashamed. What sort of things, what actions might we do? How would we behave? uh reclusive yeah uh you'd avoid everything yeah definitely um you'd be very quiet mm. um out of the way secluded yeah um yeah not very outgoing at all yeah so basically you tend to... you'd, you'd just be me <laughs> okay so you tend to hide away mm. avoid things mm. isolate yourself uh withdraw um, or you might sometimes people if they're ashamed they might apologise a lot for the transgression or how they feel they are as a person or they might avoid eye contact um, yeah so very like withdrawn you get physically you get that that horrible pain feeling in pity of your stomach, in pity of your stomach like a sense of dread a feeling like you want to like shrink and disappear uh, or you might try and cover cover yourself up, cover up parts of you, so people will cover the face or the body. Depends what you're feeling ashamed about. So, shame. There's so much to it, really. It's quite. A, it's really powerful, and shame can sort of um, manifest in lots of other behaviours. So not only like hiding away, but if we, not to get too technical, but all emotions can cause a secondary emotion. So a primary emotion might be shame, 
And the secondary emotion might be how you feel in response to that shame. So if you feel ashamed about something, that then might you feel might make you feel really sad or you might feel really anxious about it and then your behaviour can change according to that. So for example, uh, if you think about guilt, so say I'm driving and then there's a police car behind me and I feel guilty. Even if I ain't done anything, which of course I wouldn't have because I'm an excellent driver. <coughs> but say I felt guilty, then that might cause me to feel anxious because I'm feeling guilty and then my behaviour might change in that I might start driving really slowly, I might start checking my mirror a lot to see if they're like going to pull me over, I might, you know. So each emotion that we experience can cause a secondary emotion. And the secondary emotions are usually the one that causes us difficulty. The secondary emotions often a way of trying to avoid the primary emotion. I'm getting a bit technical here. Anyway, <laughs> it's interesting though, just to be a bit more aware of emotions and to notice what's happening and what's going on for you. So if you, um, you've talked about noticing shame, Mm-hmm. So something that can be really helpful to do. If you're thinking about, well, yeah, we all have these emotions. I might be struggling with certain emotions more than others. So what do I do about it? So um, in um, acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a type of therapy um, that's really useful and look, and talks a lot about emotions and getting you to sit with emotions. Um, so there's, um, there's a book called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. Um, which talks about noticing and naming emotions. So I'm just going to talk a bit about that um, that chapter because it can be really useful. So if we, we ask, I often will ask clients to check in and notice what emotion they're feeling and where they're feeling it in the body, what it feels like, and then what, what you call the emotion. And some clients just get it straight away and say, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, def- I, can, I know that I'm feeling anxious and I can feel it in my chest. And it, I have like my heart's racing and, um, and it feels like really a horrible tight feeling in my chest and it's anxiety. And some clients I ask about emotions and what they're feeling and where they feel it and I, they've got no idea. They just know that they feel bad or they don't want to feel like they do, but they might not even know where it is in the body or or be able to even name it. So everybody's different. So some people have more emotional intelligence and are much more aware of what's going on in the body than others. So if we're going to work on accepting emotions, because they're a part of life, we can't get rid of them. All emotions have got a purpose. So if we're going to work on accepting them, you have to learn how to notice and name the emotions first. Okay, does that make sense, Chris? Yes. Yeah, so how can we accept him if we don't even know what they feel like or what they are or where we feel them? So first, the, the first step is noticing what they are, um, is to, uh, to be able to label them and name them and then to learn um, to allow these motions to happen and to like open up and make room for them. And the final step in acceptance is then to use the emotion to make good use of the information that they're telling us. Because if we listen to emotions, they're actually telling us something. But often we try and ignore them and push them away. 
So, um, if we think about naming emotions then, the ability to be able to do this takes a bit of practice, yeah? And if you've been used to avoiding emotions or struggle with understanding emotions, um, then you might often feel like numb or hollow or flat or not really feel much at all. So then you're going to have more difficulty in noticing and naming your emotions. So it's useful to develop the skill for doing this, sort of like step by step to do it gradually and keep practicing it. So learning how to check in and, and name your feelings is really useful. So I started doing this um, eight years ago, actually, and thinking rather than like not really being aware how we're feeling, noticing different physiological changes. So noticing if I got like a tightness in my chest or like a feeling in my stomach and right, trying to turn my attention towards it and see if I could label it and notice what the emotion was. So what am I feeling now? Whereas often what we will normally do is if we feel an horrible feeling in his body, we try to get rid of it. We don't want to feel it. So we might push it, try and push it away and not feel it. So doing the opposite, people will often think, oh, well, that's just going to make it worse if I actually focus on it and bring me attention to it. But you'd be surprised on in what a difference it can make. Um, which I'm going to tell you about what it can do. Okay. So uh let's look then the benefits of learning how to notice and name your emotions so this is taken from the happiness trap um so if you have um the first thing that russ harris talks about is called vitality so he's saying that if you have gone numb or you've learned to push your emotions away i don't feel much of anything i feel like flat a lot of people talk about feeling flat or numb Learning how to access your emotions gives you this sense of vitality or coming back to life or feeling like you're human again. And remember, fe being feeling a human, feeling like you're a human again, doesn't mean that you're always going to feel great because being a human is not an always, it's not always easy and, and difficult emotions are part of being a human. But you should also feel more joy and pleasure in things. So when we cut off or zone out or disconnect from our body which helps to um, separate off painful feelings to block them out which we talked about but it also stops us feeling pleasurable emotions and feelings like joy and happiness so connecting with your body again gives you access to the full range of emotions which are painful like sadness or anger um, or anxiety but also pleasant ones like love and contentment and joy and excitement etc so there are benefits are that you can start to feel enjoyment in doing things again and, and pleasure from things. Feel free to interrupt me at any point, Chris. No, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just, just thinking of um, how it applies to me, you know. Okay. Um, so the third benefit of learning to notice and name your emotions is you have control over your actions. So the less aware you are of your emotions, the less control you have over what you do, your actions. So when we bring awareness to feelings, they tend to lose much of their ability to hook us and as Russ Harris says, to jerk us around. So the more that we are aware of emotions, then the easier they are to control. So we control what we do rather than just feeling that we're being controlled by emotions. 
They also help us to make wise choices and good decisions. So there's so much research that shows that the more we access our emotions, the more effective our decision making is and the more likely we are to make wise choices in life. That doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake again, but it means that if we listen to our emotions and we pay more attention to them, we can make better choices for ourselves. And this links into the thing around intuition, which I mentioned earlier, and trust and safety. So um, feelings in our body that alert us to threats and dangers that our conscious mind's not picking up, so our unconscious mind. So um, so this is our intuition, our gut feeling. So um, we can put ourselves at risk if we allow ourselves to be taken advantage of. So the more we're in tune with emotions, the more we can start to listen to our intuition or our gut feeling. And that means that we're more likely to be safe and less likely to be taken advantage of by other people as well. So if you think about safety in your own body, so this is number six, the benefit. Um, if you ever feel unsafe in your own body, so if you feel scared of what how your body's responding or reacting, so the the best way to feel safer in your own body is to start to progressively explore it and practice better ways of handling the difficult feelings that you encounter. Um, so if you don't do it, if you avoid emotions, then it feels like we talked about a cave. You talked about a cave at the beginning, Chris. It feels like a dark cave that's full of like really scary monsters um, that you want to avoid at all costs. So the more you start to get in tune with your emotions, the less scary it feels. And uh, number seven is success in life. So there's a direct correlation between being successful in life and what we call emotional intelligence. So handling your emotions effectively and making good use of them for motivation, for communication and understanding yourself. So learning to tune into your body and access your emotions plays a big part in emotional intelligence. And that can't eight, be true, though, the emotions having success in life, because most CEOs of companies are psychopaths. <laughs> well, that, oh, that's, a, that's a, a, a generalized sweeping statement. Well, you know, it's, it's not generalized. It is like highly likely that if you're, a, you know, a, a part of a successful company and the decision maker yeah <clears throat> you know there, there's been assessments that these people are psychopaths yeah because so you guess... have to be cut through and make decisions that will literally ruin people's lives that's true so this we're talking about success in life not just success in business so there might oh, be so, good in so business. it means like maybe life happiness not success in terms of like monetary that was no. my mistake. I thought it no. meant monetary success game. in life. And success in life doesn't <coughs> particularly mean success in the workplace, does it? And being able to hire and fire people at will. To be so, honest, in that case, maybe a few years ago, I should have really been a CEO of a company. Yeah. I missed my yeah. opportunity. You did. You missed it because you're too in touch with your emotions now. Bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> but then you might not have been uh, even if you were successful at work you might not have been as successful in any other areas of your life so you know I would have been a billionaire though not maybe not necessarily yeah, I guess so and it doesn't always bring <coughs> happiness uh, I don't know a big yacht would make me pretty happy mm. but if you're a cutthroat um, 
sociopath, then maybe nothing will bring you happiness because you've not got the ability to feel emotions. I still have a yacht, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you might not be able to enjoy it. You might just go, yeah, I've got a yacht. I don't really get much pleasure from it. It's all right, isn't it? Who knows? Yeah. I don't think it's anything we ever have to worry about, Chris, because it's unlikely to happen for you or for me. Oh, come but on, if I've you still ever got do, plenty of years left. If you ever get a yacht, just don't forget we do a podcast with. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the final one, the, be- the final benefit of learning to notice and name your emotions is building better relationships. So one of the most important factors in building a meaningful and rewarding life is cultivating strong, healthy relationships, <laughs> and no matter who that is with. So it can be with friends or... Uh, a partner or family members or kids or work colleagues or your neighbours, anybody basically. Um, so if we struggle to have relationships with other people, then we're at a, a disadvantage because we're not actually um, able to uh, communicate, we're not able to show emotions, we, not, we can gain pleasure from other people and um, some people are loners and don't like mixing with anybody and that's absolutely fine but generally as human beings we're quite social beings uh, everybody has these different levels of sociability and how much you like other people's company but if you are unable to access your emotions then you're at a big disadvantage of building better relationships so, and why that's why um, emotions are useful when it comes to relationship building is that relationships require emotional intelligence. Not just in terms of handling how we're feeling, but also uh, being able to tune into and handle the feelings of other people. So, if you've ever like watched a film or part of a TV program without any sound on, it's not very satisfying. So you might be able to to watch it, but without any music or dialogue or sound effects, you lose some of the experience. If you watch carefully, you can still gain, you know, get an idea of what's happening. You can still sort of keep track of what's happening to some extent, but it's so easy to misread what's going on. And that's what it's like when we're we're interacting with other people, but we cut, cut off from our own feelings and emotions. So it can lead to conflict and tension and difficult interactions with others because we can easily misread what they want or don't want, what people's intentions are or how they're feeling, or we fail to see how our behaviour is affecting other people. So it's really important when it comes to relationships that you're able to tune into how you're feeling and that helps us then to tune into how other people are feeling as well, which is really important when it comes to any form of relationship to have some sort of understanding about how others might be feeling. Okay. There's a bit of new. Do you want a bit of neuroscience? I think we should have a bit of neuroscience. <coughs> if it's going to be it. digestible for me, yeah. I think so. Um, right. So when we put what we are feeling into words, this activates part of the prefrontal cortex. So that's a portion of our brain directly behind our forehead at the front okay so this has got a moderating effect on other parts of the brain that are stirring up our emotions 
So an effect is often described as damping down or putting the brakes on emotion. So in other words, when we notice and name our emotions, they lose a lot of their ability to cause us difficulty. They're still there, but they have less impact. So we're no longer compelled to obey them or struggle with them. So lots of scientific research shows that the less your ability to name your emotions, the more likely they are to annoy you to what Russ Harris talks about is hooking you in and jerking you into self-defeating patterns of behaviour. So it's well worth making the effort to develop this important skill, which is to name and label emotions and to notice them because then they lose some of the power. Okay. Mm-hmm. So once you've, um, so the, the, the way to, to go about this is to start to pay more attention to how you're feeling. So trying to check in and notice and name your emotions. Um, so it might be to say like, right, every morning when you wake up to just to sort of check in, do a little scan of your body and to notice how you're feeling and see if you can give it a name to label your emotion. So getting into a pattern of doing it. So, so you're trying to identify if you're feeling quite numb or if you're feeling any anxiety, are you noticing feeling sadness or you're feeling happy? So trying to get a better sense of emotions that you're feeling. Um, okay, so we're trying to get to a point where you are more aware of how you're feeling and you can label it. Okay. Um, <coughs> so one of the ways that I teach people a really good way of sort of doing this is to um, use music as a way of bringing up emotions because music's a really good, most people like music generally, not everybody, but most people do. And music's a really good way of accessing emotions. So if you think about one of your favourite songs or, you know, some music that you like, there'll be a reason why you like it. And it's usually it generate, generates some certain emotions for you. And it, throughout that um, emotional experience, you'll notice thoughts that go through your mind and it might be memories, might remind you of people or things that have happened. Um, you'll notice physical sensations and there'll be emotions that go with it. And then also you'll have an urge to act to do things. So if you're listening to a song, you might notice um, remembering. Um, so I'll, I, if I think about a song that comes to mind for me is that there's a song called, um, I forgot what it's called. Is it What's Up? Four non-blondes? It's before your time, Chris. Oh. So it's from, from when I were about 17. Oh, it's that. I can't sing it. I'm not going to sing it. What's going on? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Thank you. But it's for non-blondes. People in the 40s will know this song. So it was really big at the time. I were about 17. And when I think about that song, if I hear it, it takes me back to driving my dad's uh, white Volvo when I first passed my test with my friends in car driving around and singing and just having a good time and having a laugh so it takes me straight back to that i get that memory so the the um the emotions it brings up is like happiness it makes me feel really happy when i think about it it um i usually feel like it makes me feel a bit uh short of breath and my heart beats a bit faster i feel quite relaxed and 
urge to act is usually to sing and do a little dance and it makes me smile. So if you listen to some songs, so if you can choose some music that you like, ones that you know you like, that's a really good way of bringing up some sort of positive emotions and just see if you can label where you feel in your body and what it, what it feels like and what the emotion is. But also maybe choose a type of music that you don't like. So if there's like, um, you know, like, so I'm not right bothered about really heavy metal stuff, you know, like when they're screaming. So if, so if I were going to choose a type of music, like I put one of those songs on and notice what emotions it brings up for me. So if I can label it, what it makes it feel like, what I feel like in my body. So that's a really good way of sort of really starting to get more in touch with your emotions. Or if you've got a song, that, there's some songs that you know um, bring up quite negative emotions or remind you of difficult times. If you're able to then listen to them as well and see if you can label how it makes you feel and what's happening. So all these are really good techniques for getting you just to start to um, be more in tune with your emotions. Because we've talked about how important it is to be able to do that. Okay, done lots of talking today. Any questions, Chris? No. Will you give it a go? The I already do. You already do. What? Listen to music. Label it. Well, I'd not like. Well, no, but I, you know, I already have music that you know creates emotions and brings joy. So you know, I don't label it, but I have that um, already set in. You know. Okay. So, like, when I listen to music, it's you know, it's like, oh, it's this song, and it makes me all happy. Yes. So, well, so you are labelling it then? Well, I don't know if I'm... May, maybe not purposely, subconsciously. Yeah, okay. So maybe try and label it a bit more. Give it a go. See what happens. Mm. Well, maybe... Oh, I don't want to do all that. That's well, loads of effort. <laughs> it's not. You don't even have to write it down. And besides, when I, when I listen to music, I don't pick a song. I just pick a random playlist and press play i don't even know what songs i'm looking for most of the time don't matter well i can't pick it well it means that you know finding that same song that i just listened to that created happiness it gets lost you know i listen to a song and i may not hear it ever again because i don't save it don't matter so if you if you put your music on you can just um don't matter what it is what song it is you're just trying to label what emotion are emotions it brings up? Because it might bring up more than one. You know, like when you listen to a song, sometimes you can feel a certain way, and then you might listen. It might remind you of something that might, might make you feel different. So you're just trying to label as you're listening to music. It doesn't matter whether you never hear it again, whether it don't bring much at all. But it's a really good way of practicing tuning into your emotions a bit more and trying to label, and particularly noticing how it feels in your body is really useful. Because once you get used to doing that, then you can um, you can then work on. If you're struggling with difficult emotions, you can do something what we call checking the facts. So if you think about a lot of emotions and what how we respond to them are set off by our thoughts or how we interpret what's happening to us, not by actually what's happening. So we might uh, something might happen. We think something and then we feel it a certain way. 
or something happens, we feel something and therefore we think a certain way. So if we look at our thoughts and check the facts, they can help us change our emotions. Because, you know, remember we were saying earlier about that just because we feel something doesn't mean it's always true. So if you start to, once you get used to tune into how you're feeling and labeling it, you can then check the facts as to see, is this something that I, I should be feeling given the situation? Or am I interpreting the situation um, in a way that's making my life more difficult? Am I assuming something? Am I assuming a threat? Am I thinking um, that it's a catastrophe? Um, does my emotional response fit with the actual thing that's happening? Or am I blowing things out of proportion? Am I jumping to conclusions? So, you know, we did that um, podcast on um, thinking styles. Do you remember? I don't yes. know, it early, one, one of the earlier episodes. So checking the facts is basically being aware of your emotion and thinking, well, I'm feeling anxious as an example. What's prompted me to feel like this? So, you know, what are the facts? What are the things that have happened that have led to you feeling anxious? So you can like challenge judgments. Are you, are you thinking, um, are you being very black and white about a situation? Are you catastrophizing it? Are you um, jumping to conclusions? Are you um, assuming the worst, I guess, is the catastrophizing? Am I thinking about the what ifs rather than the actual facts? Um, you can ask yourself what are your interpretations, thoughts and assumptions about the event. So you can think of other possible interpretations. Practice looking at all sides of a situation and all points of view. Um, so a, a really good example is like maybe, you know, like if you message someone or um, text someone and the response back is not what you thought it was going to be or you're not quite sure what they mean by their answer, we can easily jump to a conclusion by it. So if you are looking at am I, how am I interpreting this, is there is there a different point of view? Is the other person like busy or are they, uh, are they just answering quickly? So am I jumping to conclusions that they don't like me just because they've not put a smiley emoji on the response or whatever? So again, that's we can easily jump to conclusions. Am I assuming a threat? You can ask yourself. So if so, like label it, assess the probability that the event's really going to occur. Think of as many other possible outcomes as you can. So you're trying to rather than just go for the worst case, which we often do as human beings, is trying to think about are there, are there any other interpretations? Is there anything else happening here? Um, so it, it's really useful to check the facts when if you've got used to reading and um, tuning into your emotions, if you notice you're feeling a strong emotion, is to check the facts before you actually then act on it. So you really pay more attention to how you're feeling and whether the emotion actually fits what's actually happening. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> I feel like I've talked forever there. So, um, we've, we've talked quite a lot, of, I've talked so much about emotions there. Um, maybe, I'm not sure whether it's been a bit too deep or not, we'll see what people think, but basically I've tried to talk about why we have emotions, what they are, range of different emotions, Good book recommendation if you want to know more and understand emotions, Marcus. 
I think like, you know, like people get them here. Is it Hayes manuals? Are they called Hayes manuals for cars? Hayes. Hayes manuals for, yeah. You know, like when it tells you about, say you had an Austin Allegro, you buy a Hayes manual that tells you how to look after it. You're frowning. I can re I'm reading your Are you talking about cow cars? Yeah, not cows. They don't have hair cars. I, I cows. don't. I don't. I don't have. I've, you know, I've only been a passenger in a car. I don't know anything about cars. Well, they used to have. I'm sure they're called just Hains, destroying the planet. Hanes manuals. Uh, I'm right. I'm just going to Google it. Wait a minute. Hanes. Hanes manual. Hanes. Yeah. Hanes. H a y n e s. Oh, I've seen these. Hains. So they have them for all sorts, basically. Repair manuals for different... Um... Okay, yeah, I've seen yeah. these. I know so, what you mean. Yeah, so if they've got Haynes manuals for different for, for um, different engine types and stuff, if we think about this Atlas of the Hat is like a Haynes manual for human beings, that's how I would like to put it. So if we can't understand ourselves and how we're feeling and therefore helps us to understand other people. What hope have we got really? So the more we understand emotions in ourselves and others, the better relationships we have, the more we can tolerate difficult experiences and um, generally the better life experience we have. So everybody rush out and buy Brené Brown's Atlas of the Heart. I don't get commission for it by the way, unless Brené, you're listening, you know. <laughs> Finders fee, joking, joking. So it's a really good book. There's lots of other books out there about emotions and stuff and reading emotions, understanding, but I think this is just a really easy read and it's not too heavy going and there's lots of nice uh, illustrations and it's, it's very pretty, I like it. She says stroking the book while I'm talking. Okay, um, so that's it. If there's anything about emotions you're not sure about or you want me to do more on, because there is quite a lot around emotions we could talk about more, then just drop us an email. And the email is, Chris, you know I'm going to ask you. Uh, yeah, podcast at yorkshirepsychotherapy.co.uk. That's it. Um, or if there's any other topics you want us to talk about, then just let us know. That book uh, is also available on Kindle and as an audio book. Oh, is it now? Oh. oh interesting i might download it as an audiobook for my holiday then that'd be good i might as well i've got i've got one credit to use so i might use it on this go for it and then we can do uh, another podcast on chris's findings of atlas of the heart a book report a book report hey we could do a book review that'd be good never done we haven't done one of those before have we can it be a book that i actually want to read not I should know where that I'd just be starting a book club moment. Uh, you're telling me that you don't want to read Atlas of the Heart. Well, I'm slightly interested. So, you know, I've gone from no interest to slight. So you've done a good job. Okay. All right. Okay. You see, I should have been a saleswoman. Okay. Fabulous. Right. Thank you. Uh, do we know what we're talking about next time, Chris? Yes. What are we doing next time? We'll find out. Oh. Am I going to find out? Well, you have to pick. Okay. Right then. So it'll be a surprise next time then. Yeah. It'll probably be a surprise for me as well. 
Okay, thank you. If you've listened, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. And send us some feedback if you uh, like. That would be nice. Same email address. Thank you. Goodbye.